Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, you're listening to a brand new episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim. And this week, we're taking you on a journey with Bullet Train, plus covering off all the latest movie and trailer news. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And as Tim mentioned, we're talking Bullet Train, which follows an unlucky assassin named Ladybug, whose latest smash-and-grab mission on the world's fastest train puts him on a collision course with lethal adversaries from around the globe, all with connected yet conflicting objectives. Bullet Train is directed by David Leach, with a screenplay by Zach Olkowitz, based on the book by Kotaro Isaka. Bullet Train stars Brad Pitt, Joey King, Aaron Taylor-Johnson, Brian Tyree Henry, Andrew Koji, Hiroyoki Sanada, Michael Shannon, Benito Martinez Ocasio, a.k.a. the rapper Bad Bunny, and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> so the best rapper name ever. Yeah. They're the best. Look, before we dive into the movie, yeah. right, I just want to call out how much fun Brad Pitt seems to be having on the campaign trail with this movie. <laughs> yes. You know, the Joker-like green oversized tuxes that he's wearing, yep. suits that he's wearing, Maria Von Trapp leap, click the heels sort yeah, of thing, like she's yeah. running around, I have confidence in confidence. Anyway, I, he's having the best time. His fabulous skirt that he wore. Yes, he can pull off a skirt, Brad yeah. Pitt can pull off a skirt. Yeah, he's having a great time. He is. Now, did you have a great time watching this movie? I did, generally. Yes. Shall we, <laughs> shall, shall we unpack that a little bit? Yeah, let's unpack it, let's unpack it. Okay, so where do we start? Action is Leech's DNA, basically, as a director. Mm. He began his career as a stuntman for Keanu Reeves on The Matrix and he's he's stunted for Brad Pitt on a number of his films as well. Um, He's also directed Atomic Blonde with Charlize Theron, which I loved. See, I still haven't thrown that one on. You got it. The action in that is incredible. Love it. And Hobbs and Shaw, which we had a good time in. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
So he knows what he's doing in terms of putting together a really well-made action flick. It's funny, I sniggered when you started talking because you were like, where do we start? My first note on my page is, so where do we begin (laughs) with Bullet Train? Because there is a lot to unpack. I guess you could start by like, what sort of movie is it? I got Mm. flavours of Tarantino in there, got flavours of Guy Ritchie, gangster movies, especially between the characters of Mm. Lemon and Tangerine specifically. But my experience was like the Ritchie sort of in the Tarantino dialogue. Deadpool 2, which David Leach actually directed. Yes. Kill Bill as well. Did you find that they were just throwing a whole lot of stuff to be inspired by on the wall and hoping something stuck for it to work? Pretty wacky in terms of its tone and all the sorts of things it was being inspired by and putting together on the screen. I think when you talk about the tone, the thing that grated me a little bit as the film wore on was I just don't understand why films can't resist the urge to poke fun at the genre. You know, everything has to be a piss take or self-deprecating. Yes. Why can't you just make a really good action film and be comfortable in that? Yes. Like humour, yeah, for sure. Put the humour in there. But it's like a preemptive defence that the filmmakers have. You know, see, we're being ironic and we're being glib. Mm. So if it's not good, yeah, we meant it to be that way. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Do you hear what I'm yeah. saying? So like, yeah. it's, and it's, it's done so often that it's not an original concept anymore. It's not clever insight into the pitfalls of this genre. Mm. It's just incessant navel gazing. You've wrapped that up so well. I'm going to pull out a particular thing that I found was a little much here. And it mm. was this ongoing Thomas the Tank Engine character assessment one-off gag. Okay. No, it was not a one-off gag. I learned everything about people from Thomas, says the character of Lemon. And I quite loved that analogy. I was really mm, yeah, into, I was it. into it. It was quite it was quite funny. But it just crept in over and over and over and it became quite tiring. Yeah. Because it alienated me a little bit. I grew up on watching Thomas the Tank Engine, but I didn't really know the character so intimately for me to really get this what I felt was like this in joke between the writers and the mm. director. And they were just hitting you over the head with it. And it seemed like they just didn't really give a shit. They were just going to keep leaning into this Thomas the Tank Engine character assessment gag. And it just lost its impact for me. And I felt like a lot of the territories this movie went into from a tone comedic perspective just lost their impact because they kept doing it. Yeah, it's like they kept adding another Jenga on. Mm. Another Jenga. Let's make it bigger and bolder and funnier. And the thing is, it is a big, bold action film. Yes. And it's great and it's entertaining. It's not boring. It's definitely not boring. Definitely not boring. No. But then you get to the third act of the film Mm. and they're like, Let's just keep adding more and pile more and let's make it bigger, bolder, yeah. funnier. <laughs> more, more, more. <laughs> Brad Pitt, jump in the air, click uh, your heels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that was to its detriment. Okay, so we're not going to spoil some of these cameos, but this is another thing, the Jenga, the many hats. You know, mm. the same hat doesn't look good in every outfit. I That's felt, an interesting metaphor. Yeah, does it work? I don't know. Do, do bucket hats work on Brad Pitt's head? Do you know what? He could put anything on his head and he would <laughs> he would still look like a boss, yeah. to be honest. I felt the cameos quite distracting. Yeah. And they didn't really add anything of value. And I'm not really sure why they were there, to be honest. Yeah, but you got to put a cameo in. It's just Yeah, but there were like three of them. Yeah. I would count three. But that's the thing. Let's yes. just keep adding more, more, more. More cameos. Everything is quite signposted in the story as well in a way mm. that hits you over the head with what's coming. A snake has been stolen from the zoo. You better believe that's coming around later. <laughs> yeah. You know? There's lots of like in-your-face foreshadowing. Yes. Like, why are we watching this story about a snake escaping a zoo? Oh, well. Well, you'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> Sandra Bullock explains how many carriages 
there are and there's exactly one minute at the station and that's very important to remember. Very important. Just so much exposition. And you do need a fair amount of exposition because you're getting all these disparate characters together on a train Mm. and you need to know their backstory. So, of course, you've got to have like a murderous montage. So many murderous montages. So many murderous montages. But I loved that, actually. The whole Kill Count one was probably my favourite. Yeah, I I did love that because you have to get the backstory of these characters to know who they are because you can't explain that while they're fighting on a train. Mm. Um, So, that was understandable. Yes. But there is a lot of exposition in the script. Can I build on that? And this is Mm. obviously one of my favourite things to talk about these days because movies just always have to be over two hours long at the moment. They Mm. just have to. It's almost like we're not going to release it unless the movie goes for two, two and a half hours. How long was this one? Two hours, six minutes. Was it? Yes. Mm. There you go. Why I know that specifically, but here we are. You always know those things. (laughs) It's very impressive. 126 minutes for those playing at home. I felt, though, when you're building on the whole thing about exposition Mm. characters – at one point, we go back 26 years to get a backstory on a character. Mm. We go back to the day before that Kill Count 1, or I assume it was the day before, not really mm. sure. I felt that really impacted the pace, which sounds so wild because you're thinking, you're listening at home, you've either watched the film or you've seen the trailer, and you go, mm. don't tell me there are pacing issues in this literal movie called fucking Bullet Train. It just keeps going and going. It just going. keeps going and going and going. It's like, how are they not at Kyoto yet? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they've only stopped at train stations one minute at a time. Yes. But taking those pauses, it just really impacted the way that the movie literally rolled on those tracks and kept you engaged. The action, which we'll talk about in a hot minute, is fucking wild and insane. Mm. And boy, it's good. But you wonder how a film with so much action mm. and excitement still struggles to keep you engaged in the story. I don't know. I I Mm. might disagree with you there because I think as the murderous montages, as I called them, (laughs) they were quite fun to watch, I think. I completely agree. Especially Bad Bunnies. Like how fucking cool was he? Oh, he was cool. And his performance, I don't think he said many words. Did he say any? Yeah, I think he said a couple maybe. It was menacing AF. Yeah, but his performance was incredible. Yes. Really, really incredible. Um, And then, of course, Lemon and Tangerine, played by Brian Tyree Henry and Aaron Taylor Johnson, Mm -hmm. their montage was quite fun too. Yes. Because they're arguing over how many people they killed on this job. And they go back and and count them out. (laughs) Do you know what that reminded me of? What? And you'll love this. It reminded me of the brotherhood that you see develop over the Lord of the Rings trilogy between Gimli and Legolas. Yes. And there's literally a scene that plays out over quite a long period of time where they're counting their own kills on the battlefield. Mm. And I got a kick out of that because, well, that's where I went in terms of maybe this movie taking inspiration from the Lord of the Rings? Yeah. Uh, maybe hardly unlikely. But yeah. that that's the feeling I got and I, I really enjoyed that part of the movie. But that odd couple bickering that's it. vibe. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but can't live without each other sort of vibe at the same time. You know, that true love brotherhood that was actually really nicely played out in this movie. So Yeah, let's talk a bit more yeah, about sure. that. So they're twin assassins. I mm. say twins in air quotes. Yes. Tangerine played by Aaron Taylor Johnson and Lemon by Brian Tyree Henry. And I think they were one of the best things about this film for sure. They were. Yeah, great chemistry, those odd couple dynamics constantly bouncing off each other with their great English accents, which Brian <laughs> Tyree Henry is American. Yes. He pulled it right. off really well. Very well. And they have a surprisingly moving relationship as brothers in arms too. Look, I completely agree. And that's one thing that I was ultimately surprised about this movie. I was surprised about a lot of things. But I wasn't expecting to be oddly emotional about Mm. two assassin, quote unquote, 
brothers. Yes. But they do lean into their relationship really, really well. And they are, other than Brad Pitt's ladybug character, they are a consistent pair, consistent characters throughout the life of the movie. So you really get to understand how they work, who they are. And their emotional journey is really nice. It is really nice, Yeah. yeah. All the characters have interconnecting, sometimes confusing objectives, but that's the point, actually. We're supposed to be invested emotionally in them. I'm not 100% sure that we were in all of them. Not all of them, not all of them. But it is meant to be a bit of a confusing puzzle that all comes together at the end. Do you think it came together at the end? My quick answer is no. Okay. Because... It was a bit of a stretch. It was a bit of a stretch. And because it was so overstuffed and convoluted and me personally had issues with the pacing, Mm -hmm. I lost interest. And then when they brought another Jenga into the story, who's who in the zoo and how they're connected and why we should care about it, I Mm. was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, you're really good at piecing narrative puzzles together anyway. Mm. I am very much the complete opposite. I get surprised with the twist every fucking time and I'm not mad about it. Mm. Did you pick where this was going or no. did you enjoy okay you didn't either no okay. some some of the bits no okay no. well that's good that's I, mean, I, I, I could see things coming like that bloody you snake <laughs> yeah. you know anyone would see that coming we talked a bit about brad pitt earlier as ladybug mm. he's going through some kind of existential crisis he's constantly spouting therapy quotes which irritated me started to irritate me okay so Tell me, why were they aggravating you so much, his therapy quotes? Because it got to a point where he was almost exclusively speaking in those quotes. Okay, yeah. And I just thought, yeah, okay. It became his only way of speaking at one point. Because he's sharing these affirmations and these wisdoms because he wants to be a better person. And he also wants you to be a better person and look at yourself and be like, what are you doing? Meanwhile, he's on a train full of assassins. Which is fine and funny. But as we said earlier, it's just that humour that, gets overused and starts hitting you over the head with it. And you're like, okay, all right, I get it. Look, I have to say about Brad Pitt's performance here, he looked like he was just having the time of his life, his charisma, his charm. And despite the comedy layers not quite landing all the time, Mm. his comedic timing is brilliant. Look, there's no doubt about that. He is really good at comedy. Mm. He's really great at action, as we well know. And, yeah, he's really enjoyable to watch in this film. Absolutely. For me, it just came down to the scripting. We've also got Andrew Koji in there as Kimura, who is a father in turmoil over his son, and he's looking to redeem himself in the eyes of his father. So his son's been pushed off a roof, as we find out very early on. Yeah, which is pretty awful. Yeah. He, he was completely distraught. Yes. His face was constantly frowning. Mm. He was very intense the entire movie. Mm. I just would have been really exhausting as an actor to be in that yep. space the entire film. And then you've got him playing opposite Hiroyuki Sanada, the elder and his father. Yes. And that family dynamic's really the heart of this film. It is. But I felt like, it, for, for me personally, it was lost in a whole lot of other convoluted stuff. Really? Yeah, it was. Because from the beginning, I was like, okay, so his son's being pushed off a roof. When are we going to figure more out about this? Meanwhile, right. we're getting introduced to all these other characters that we learn throughout the life of yeah. the film, how they're all interlinked with each other. And by the time we got to that puzzle piece coming together... I was like, well, hold on a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me just uh, mm. get my bearings here. So it, it lost a bit of impact for mm. me personally. Do you think that's down to the fact that there are just so many characters in this film? I do. I really do. I see the intention behind it because mm. it's fun when you're playing with all these characters within this weird, wacky world. But I feel they had one or two too many. I will say Hiroyuki Sanada, 
I just wish there was more of him in right? this film. Isn't he fantastic? He is amazing in this movie. So, so good. He's the wise elder, the father figure. He comes in at the end to have his moment. Mm. I just wanted more of him throughout the whole film. The other actor I wanted more of was definitely Zazie Beetz. No. Really? Ooh, sorry, that was that was very a very visceral reaction. <laughs> no, can we please uh, talk about this? I love Zazie Beetz. Yeah. Really love her. Hated her character. Really? Yep. Did not like her character. Like, what was the point of every (sighs) sentence coming out of her mouth punctuated by bitch, 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 (laughs) going to kill you, bitch. Oh, my God. Did you not notice that? And then at the end they threw three in a row just to make a point. And I figured, okay, they're making fun of something here. But it was lost on you. Well, I guess it was lost on me too. Yeah, but, I mean, it didn't feel weird to you? No, I, I don't even. This is so weird. We only saw this at moment of recording this movie a couple of days ago. Mm. I don't really remember her saying bitch 500 times. How is that? She hardly had any lines and most <laughs> of them were bitch. Far out. But I feel like it was a, a piss take again, that, that piss take of mm. the genre when people do that all the time, you know, like yeah. coming for you, bitch. Coming for you, bitch. But she was doing it incessantly and I thought, okay, there's, there's obviously a point to this but I'm not vibing it. Well, look, moving on from bitch, <laughs> one of my favourite performances had to be Logan Lerman channeling my weekend at Bernie's for <laughs> most of the movie. I, yeah. I mean, imagine signing on to this be like, so you're just going to be dead for most of the movie. That cool? We'll put you in all these really cool situations and positions and you're going to look fabulous in these glasses we have in mind. Okay, yeah. You're going to look absolutely fabulous. We've also got The Prince, played by Joey King. Mm. I didn't really understand her cool name. She's a terrible character too. Narcissistic, insufferable young woman who pouts and fake cries her way through her psychotic mission, Mm. which really comes down to just having a chip on her shoulder about her daddy. 100%. Joey King's fantastic in her performance. She can cry very convincingly. Yes. Really embodied that role. I just really didn't like the character. Well, we got too much of her crying as well. It was overused again. Overused again, which is that consistent thing we keep coming back to. When something works and it works well, you use it well. Mm. Don't overuse it. That was the problem with the Prince character for me was like, oh, my God, she's crying again. I don't care. (laughs) And it went on for a really long time. Yes. We talked about the wolf, a.k.a. Bad Bunny. His reason for being there was quite convoluted in the end, but he really made an intense impact. And I think his fight scenes with Brad Pitt were some of the best in the film. They were incredibly gut-wrenchingly visceral. Yeah. I really love that fight scene as well. And I just have to call out part of the story that he's involved in gives a new name to the term Red Wedding. Yes. (laughs) Yes. yes. But the thing was they kept coming back to it and I thought, I can't stomach this visually anymore. We get it. There's blood everywhere at this wedding place. I'm getting a bit queasy, but you know, that they're the levels of overzealousness this movie goes into. It's like they take an inch run a mile for sure. There's one character we haven't mentioned, the water bottle. (laughs) <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? That to me was very Guy Ritchie. Yeah. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. I thought it was really clever and yeah. I was lolling in my seat. Yeah. So to explain, at some point during the film, we go on this journey of this water bottle, <laughs> which is a very pivotal prop in the film. In more ways than one. In more ways than one. Yes. And so we go back and have a little montage of <laughs> yeah. the day in the life of the water bottle. Yeah. Academy Award winning Fiji water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> best performance of the film, if you ask me. No. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, we can't talk about this film without going in depth a bit more to the action and the stunts and the, and the special effects. Heck yeah. I really can't wait to talk about this stuff with you because okay. I, I want your opinion on one thing. All right, let's do it. We talked about there's lots of frenetic close quarter fighting. David Leach, you know, they had to get creative because they're confined on a train carriage, which makes it really tricky to pull off exciting stunts and action. Yeah. They just got really creative with it and I think they pulled it off really well. I mean, they looked at their environment. You think, okay, so you don't have to just use guns and knives in a fight. They use every matter of object that you may find in and around a train. And I was in awe the entire time watching this movie going, I know how challenging this would have been not only to film but also to conceptualise and figure Mm. out the blocking and the rehearsal. Yeah, And it gave such a fresh take on your experience as an audience member to see we see people fighting in movies all the time we see that sort of fighting a lot but when you put them in this beautifully simple but effective environment Mm. of a train carriage but different types of train carriages section of the train carriage toilets Mm. compartments little lounge areas you know the creativity is endless in how characters can use that space and use the things around them to use in combat fuck i just loved every movement this movie made 100 percent. i was was really enjoying it and that suitcase that that brad pitt goes on board to get is used in so many creative ways in terms of the fight scene and had some of the fights had very jackie chan qualities about them that just really fast paced like oh quick grab what i can and whoops you just missed me and like you know it really really was exciting to watch you know that's a really good comparison because i i feel that brad pitt would have taken quite a bit of inspiration from his performance through jackie chan in how Mm -hmm. he performs and acts through all his stunt work because he's saying quick quit a dialogue and being shocked and a bit of comedy in there you know brad pitt was really channeling jackie chan in in his performance which was really cool i loved it it's choreographed to perfection as we said by david leach and his team of stuntmen i do want to get to some special effects because what's really clever what they've done here is for the japanese countryside outside of the train the filmmakers hung led screens along the length of the train cars that they've built within this soundstage so it can be filmed in camera in real time. Amazing. So while they're doing the stunts and playing out the action within the train carriage, on the screens in the background is the real countryside that you would see speeding past. And it's gorgeous and it looks fantastic. It looks seamless. I really felt it. You're looking at it going past at 250 miles yes. an hour, which is the speed, I believe, of these Japanese bullet trains. Yeah. Heck, can you imagine? And it really puts you in that space that you're on this fast-paced train. How valuable would that be for actors? Yeah. Because they're performing in this fabulous design set, this Mm. really engaging piece of work, and they can actually see things moving around them. That would have helped with that kinetic energy this movie was going for. You are hearing more and more about this use of technology on sets Mm. to help actors, to help visualise the whole scene, which ultimately translates to a better experience for audiences rather than just dropping a blue or green screen and throwing it in later. I love this trend and I don't want it to go away. Yeah, it's really, really convincing and really visceral, really puts you right in the action. But speaking of blue screen, mm-hmm. okay, then we get to the end of the film. Oh, yeah, fuck me. <laughs> yeah, you know what's coming. Wow. So there's this end sequence when, you know, the destruction is being surveyed. It's so obvious. The CGI is so obvious and so terrible 
it's quite distracting. Yep, I found that. And that's one of the last shots in the movie, yeah. if I'm thinking we're yeah. on the same page so there. it leaves you with a bit of a bad taste in your mouth and you've just watched this really great action film. And I can understand, okay, the sheer level of destruction at the end of this film, like I, we can't, we don't want to spoil anything, so you, we can't explain it to you properly. But You wouldn't believe us anyway. No, <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. And of course, you know, having to build that and, and put people in situ and make it really realistic I mean, look, they could have done that. They could have. And then melded it with the blue screen. But it just feels like it's all blue screen. I feel like they went down and maybe they didn't communicate this to us effectively. But are they trying to lean into the whole uh, like a fantasy layer to it? And you know, it's not mm. meant to be feel real and tangible in that particular moment because you're thinking like, yeah, as if. I don't know. that I'm just thinking about that on the spot mm. right now. But I do agree. Like a heightened, stylized kind yes. of thing. But it distracted me too. So I agree with your takeaway because I have the same. It was so different yes. to the rest of the film. You are right. That it was jarring. Mm. So even if that was the intention, having a bit more of that throughout the film might have eased that transition. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't know. Yeah. I think they missed something there, unfortunately. The soundtrack and sound design, as you would expect, you know, being a Deadpool 2 director, <laughs> you get some fun retro songs in there. Engelbert Humperdinck and Bee Gees for two. Mm-hmm. And then also Bonnie Tyler's Holding Out for a Hero, which I really enjoyed hearing. But that moment in the film when that played just made me laugh so loud because, you know. I know where you're going there's, with this. There's a character who like turns around and his hair blows in the wind and, you know, <laughs> I need a hero. He needs Pantene Pro-V. Yeah. <laughs> Get some herbal essences. Herbal essences. I giggled an initially because that song for me is iconic when you think of Shrek 2. Yes. And the fairy godmother. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was giggling uh, with a few intentions, thinking about Shrek 2 because I can never not go back (laughs) to that moment in the movie, which is absolute (laughs) cinema iconography. And then I loved it because it was just so ridiculous in this context. Yes. And the whole Herbalescence's layers as well just freaking lapped it up. But you loved it? Yeah, absolutely. No, I thought it was too corny. Oh, okay. Well, by that point, I, I loved, was I loved fine with the corn. You were leaning into it. I was it. leaning into the corn. This is where it started to go off the rails for me around this point. So to speak. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like I loved the song and I thought, yeah, we're going to get a really cool fight scene now. Yeah. And we did. Yes. We bloody well did between um, Michael Shannon and Hiroyuki Sanada. Mm. Bloody loved that. So good. So good. It just that blowing in the wind <laughs> thing. I was like, okay. It was a bit much. Look, you also only need to pop over to our Instagram and check out the premiere reel of us dancing (laughs) to the soundscape vibe that this movie gives off. Have a little bit of fun with that one, guys. Head over to our Instagram page. Bit of Bee Gees. Watch Lee and I get down and dirty on a dance floor. Oh, yeah. That might be a good point to wrap up our review of Bullet Train. Tim, so why don't you go ahead? All right. So Bullet Train was fun, bonkers and visually arresting, but its overly stuffed runtime and convoluted plot made me squirm in my seat more than once. This movie is relentless chaos and it's a big screen affair that would delight many. But sitting back watching this wacky wonder, I just couldn't figure out what kind of film it wanted to be. With an overall tonal problem and a story that had me going cross-eyed, I was left feeling a little lost and exhausted. With a tighter edit and some scripting changes, this film could have been the banger of the year. A sad mystery by that much for me, but still a fun ride. I'm going to rate Bullet Train two and a half popcorn kernels. Bullet Train is an often chaotic, action-packed blockbuster with flavours of Deadpool and Kill Bill via John Wick Mm. that's exciting to watch when it's moving at the pace of an actual bullet train. 
Where it comes off the rails, both figuratively and literally, is the third act, as the filmmakers take a big, bold action comedy and try to make it even bigger and funnier instead of just allowing it to be the well-made action film that we begin watching. There's a lot of good stuff here. I had a really good time, and it's original and never boring, at least, and that always gets points in my book. I'm going to give Bullet Train three and a half popcorn kernels. Wow. Nice wrap-up, Lee. Bullet Train is in Australian cinemas from August 4, so go check. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So friends, there's still time to enter the Popcorn Podcast Bosch and Rocket ticket giveaway where you can win one of five double passes to see the locally produced film in Australian cinemas from August 18. Bosch and Rocket is a coming-of-age drama based on a true story and stars Luke Hemsworth, Rasmus King, as a father and son on the run from the law under the guise of a surfing road trip. To be in with a chance of winning a double pass, with thanks to Madman Films, head to popcornpodcast.com slash giveaways and submit the form with your details telling us the ultimate Australian road trip destination. Entries are open to Australian residents only until Thursday, August 11. And friends, if you're in Sydney, you can see Tim moderate a few exciting Q&A screenings with the cast and director of Bosch and Rocket in Bondi Junction, Randwick and Shell Harbour on August 15 and 16. For screening information and to book your tickets, head to madmanfilms.com.au. You can see Tim in person. (laughs) Can't wait. Hope to see you guys there. Well, Lee, Jake Gyllenhaal has been cast in Roadhouse, a reimagined take on the 80s movie starring Patrick Swayze. In the 1989 cult classic, Swayze played James Dalton, a zen bouncer hired to clean up a rowdy Missouri bar. Roadhouse. Roadhouse. Do you ever watch the Family Guy episodes where they constantly say that? Roadhouse. No, I haven't. I'll have to look it up. So Doug Lyman of Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Born Identity fame will direct this new film from a script written by Anthony Bagarozzi and Charles Mondry. And after producing the original film in 1989, Joel Silver is back on board to produce the remake. So that's promising. That's promising. I yeah. like that. Get this. So you UFC champion Conor McGregor has also joined the cast, making his acting debut in the Prime Video production alongside Billy Magnusson, Daniela Melchua, Lucas Cage and Bo Knapp, who was previously joined us on the podcast. Had a chat with him. Make sure you check out that interview. In some shocking news this week, the HBO Max original film Batgirl shocking and devastating, might Gosh. I add, has been cancelled amid a shake-up at Warner Brothers with its new management after the Discovery merger. I've really annoyed my husband this yep. week because I keep turning to him 
out of context, out of the blue, I just still can't believe they cancelled Batgirl. Yeah, I keep doing the same thing. I, I literally cannot believe what's happened. It yeah. is insane. So set within the DCEU and starring in the Heights breakout, Leslie Grace, as well as J.K. Simmons, Brendan Fraser. We were so excited yes. about seeing him in this movie as the villain, I believe. And Michael Keaton, hello, bow down, reprising his role as Batman. This was a film many were really looking forward to, including us, yes. clearly. So the directors of the film, Adil L. Arby and Bill Fuller, were blindsided by the announcement and said in a statement, we are saddened and shocked by the news. We still can't believe it. Our amazing cast and crew did a tremendous job and worked so hard to bring Batgirl to life. We are forever grateful to have been a part of that team. Yeah, so the film's basically been canned as a tax write-off. It's mm. reported that US $3 billion in cost savings was the decision behind cancelling it. And just the most financially sound way to recoup the costs as a tax write-off. Yeah. The film's budget was a reported $90 million and can never be released through a monetized method. So not in cinemas or on a streaming platform. It can't even be sold to another studio to be finished, which... Makes me so angry. All that work that people have put into it. I mean, this happens all the time. This really does happen all the time. Films get shelved or canned. Generally not this far through the process. No way. And I just find it weird that this is the one that was canned. Yes. Surely there are other projects that maybe people might not know about so publicly that Mm. they could have just swept under the rug. Perhaps because this budget is relatively meaty, it was a way that they saw a financial solution that they couldn't get anywhere else. It also doesn't make you feel that good that they have much faith in the project either. To think that it couldn't have made back its money to a way that would make everyone happy. I think also it comes down to the fact that it was going to be released on a streaming service rather than in cinema. And now what Warner Brothers want to do with their DC property is focused on cinema releases instead but why couldn't you have just changed in, it yeah invested a bit more and released it in cinema it would have recouped the costs 100%. i think i completely agree and this is a film dc lovers film lovers comic book lovers have wanted for so long mm. i think it was a bad mistake yeah well let's take a moment to light a candle for those dc fans who just want a complex satisfying movie universe that it seems like they're just never gonna get you couldn't hear my eye roll then i completely agree So the new CEO leading the decisions, David Zalslav, has revealed that they are enacting a 10-year plan for the DC Universe, inspired by what Kevin Feige has done with Marvel. And he added, We think we could build a long-term, much stronger, sustainable growth business out of DC, and part of that we're going to focus on quality. The focus is going to be how do we make each of these films as good as possible. DC is something that we think we could make better and we're focused on it now. See, from that statement... Focused on it now. Yeah. (laughs) No, but from that statement, you know, we're going to make these films as good as possible. Then why didn't they do that with Batgirl if they didn't have faith that it was going to be good enough? It's madness. Madness, I tell you. Madness. Madness. Slate clean. Once more, let's see what DC does. Maybe on to some more positive and exciting DC news, as this week Joker Folie Adieu revealed its 2024 release date of October 3. The sequel to Todd Phillips' 2019 surprise hit saw Joaquin Phoenix win an Oscar for his incredible performance. Wow, what a movie. Yeah. But what really got the internet talking was the confirmation that the one and only Lady Gaga will be playing alongside Phoenix in the sequel. 
feeding the rumor mill that she is playing a version of Harley Quinn. So folly adieu means delusions of two. So it makes sense Harley and the Joker's romance will be at the center of this story. So excited. I can't. I just can't keep it inside. Do not cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not really part of the DC universe, Don't so I guess. Those little monsters yeah. rub the wrong way, I tell you. The news was announced by a short video Gaga posted on her social media with silhouetted characters against a red background with a sample of the 1930s jazz song Cheek to Cheek playing, which also fuels the speculation that it's going to be a musical. It just needs to be a musical. Yeah. Oh, I just can't wait to see what they're going to do with this. Brilliant. It's not going to be an airy fairy musical. Like you say musical and you think, you know. Five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's not going to be that kind of thing. It's going to be weird and twisted, I'm sure. I'm just obsessed with Gaga's choices as an actress. Yes. A Star is Born, Oscar nominated. House of Gucci, sadly wasn't Oscar nominated, but bloody well should have been. Mm. And then now playing, let's say, Harley Quinn Mm. in the Joker sequel. Wow. How good, how good would it be if she got an Oscar for that and Joaquin Phoenix had had an Oscar for his performance? Stop. Yes. Because superhero – I put this in air quotes yeah. – superhero films. Joker isn't really a superhero film. But no. comic books and things like that, they don't generally get recognised. No. I'm still no. salty about Hugh Jackman not getting the Oscar for Logan. Oh, gosh. Don't get me started. You know, I rewatched that because it's now on Disney+. Plus. Oh, yeah? What a great film that yeah, is. so good. Loved revisiting that recently. In other news, it was recently announced that James Franco had been cast as revolutionary Fidel Castro in independent film Alina of Cuba, which is about to begin filming. So the script follows Alina Fernandez's life as Castro's illegitimate daughter and a critic of his reign in Cuba before she left the country and defected to Spain in 1993. John Leguizamo has spoken out about Franco's casting as the Cuban historical figure due to the fact he is not Latino, saying, how is this still going on? How is Hollywood excluding us but stealing our narratives as well. I completely agree with him here. What the fuck are they doing? Yeah, it it further adds to that conversation about representation in Hollywood with Mm. Leguizamo previously saying, we are less than 1% of the stories, he means Latino stories, told by Hollywood and streaming media and networks when we're almost 20% of the population. Yes, and what you need to do is listen to those communities that are offended by this Mm. because they're offended for a reason. There's value to be had there Mm. and you need to make changes Mm. because of that. And this story is about a Cuban revolutionary. Like it's very important to their nation and to their stories. You need to get the casting right. I completely agree. It's just weird. It doesn't make sense. I don't know. It's just weird casting anyway. Yeah. Despite him not being of that culture, which is which is at the heart of the problem. But Mm. it's also why James Franco? And I think also decisions like this shouldn't be made, you know, you shouldn't be casting anyone willy-nilly until representation is better in Hollywood. Yes. Because that's the point. That is the point. That's the problem. Yeah. And there needs to be a solution. And this is not it. All right. Well, on that note, let's wrap up another jam-packed episode of Popcorn Podcast. We brought you our review of Bullet Train, which is in cinemas on August 4. And don't forget to enter our Bosch and Rocket ticket giveaway and get your tickets to see Tim hosting the Q&A screenings around Sydney. Can't wait to see you there. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. We have a website popcornpodcast.com make sure you check it out we've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to if you'd like to get to know us a little better there's an about us section and we run ticket giveaways so keep an eye on the website for more information hold up 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.